0: Hello and welcome to Reagan Communications Podcast, the Communications Spotlight, a podcast with content for both internal and external communicators. I'm Justin Teach, Reagan's Director of Virtual Events and your Communications Spotlight host. On today's episode, we look at a discussion from our recent Future of Communications conference held in Chicago. Today's focus is on the future of ROI, proving PR's worth and earning a seat at the table. As communicators continue struggling to measure and report on their business impact, they also increasingly are asked to take part in strategic decisions that drive sales, safeguard organizations from reputational disaster, and boost brands in a way that also strengthen relationships and solidify trust, and do it all with a fraction of the budget given to marketing and advertising. In this amazing fireside discussion with Lee Gordon, Director of Marine Communications and Public Relations for Brunswick Corporation, Amy Petty, the Communications Director for the Museum of Science and Industry, and Eric Benderoff, Senior Vice President of Brand Solutions at Burson, Cohn and Wolf, you'll glean takeaways for how savvy communicators can turn traditional communication strategies on their heads and prove the value of what they do for organizations' bottom lines. If you like this session and want to hear more content like it, please visit ReaganTraining.com for membership. For one low price, you get access to over 600 hours of content featuring the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in membership, please visit ReaganTraining.com slash virtual and save $300. Thank
1: you. Welcome. Um, It's. I'm pleased to be here. I've never been in front of a room full of uh, communicators for uh, inside, I guess you would say, in schools and everything. As an agency guy, I love this because it's so interesting to me that I get to um, work with so many different companies and it's great to see you all, not with all of you here in the room, Um, and be on a panel with some also industry professionals. So thank you for joining us. Um, I'll briefly give you a little bit about myself. I've only been in PR for about a decade. I started my career for, frankly, two decades. I was a news guy. I was at the Chicago Sun-Times and uh, Chicago Tribune before I came over into the PR side of the world. Uh, It's been a very nice transition for me. I've enjoyed it immensely. I've learned a ton, um, and I'm happy to talk about that massive learning curve one day, uh, but not today. Uh, so I will do my best to make sure we keep this moving around. Please ask your questions. Um, but for now, Amy, why don't you tell us a little about yourself?
2: I have only been in PR my entire career, um, <laughs> and there is still a massive learning curve in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done both agency side and in-house. Um, I was at Edelman for a number of years, and then also with Hyatt Hotels Corporation here at the corporate office in Chicago handling um, pretty much anything you can think of that would need to be handled. Um, Internal crisis, issues management, preparedness, executive communications, corporate, block and tackle PR, brand PR. Um, And now I'm at the museum doing a lot of the same. It's a really fun place. It's as fun as you would hope it
3: is. And again, my uh, my name is Lee Gordon. So I work at Brunswick Corporation. We are not the bowling and billiards company that my parents think we work at. Uh, <laughs> but that wouldn't be, be bad. Used to be, uh, but we own uh, seventeen boat brands: Boston Whalers, Sea Ray, and the like, and, and Mercury Marine. So we are a hundred percent marine company. Um, uh, similar, you know, to, to you guys, I've spent most of my career in, in the PR media agency, or in, in the world. Um, I was a television anchor for fifteen years down in Florida. Well, I actually, started in Billings, Montana, but worked my way back um, to Chicago. But you got to start small to, to get there. Most of my time was in Florida. Um, I've been at Brunswick for almost six years now. Um, I think similar to Amy, and similar to a lot of you, I, I have responsibility over. Anything from product launches to media relations to crisis communication, government, community, whatever happens around the world on any given day, uh, we're the ones that get called. So it's, it's always nice to be around a, a group of other communicators who get it, uh, because I think a, a lot of people that um, in the office space don't always understand that you are always on. But it's, uh, it's always nice to have these conversations.
2: Yes.
1: Terrific. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we'd, we'd love to talk about, and by the way, where's the fireplace? Did I miss that? Can we put a fireplace on the screen? <laughs> right. That would be nice. Um, one one of the things that that we're here to talk about today is is the changing nature of media relations, right? Um, and and we heard earlier in one of the tweets that was read, you know, brands telling their own stories. I think is probably, in my view, maybe one of the biggest fundamental changes that we've seen recently, maybe in the past five years. And it's, to me, it's only accelerating, particularly how brands can control their story. Um, from, from a museum standpoint, almost like a communications curator, perhaps, how do you see your job evolving and changing? You
2: know, I think. Oh, that's mine. there it goes. I think media relations is just becoming so competitive. I think we, the museum is extraordinarily fortunate that um, Chicago, the Tribune at least, has a. a Really robust arts and entertainment section. Still, um, I know a lot of places have been, you know, that that's been thinning out. Newsrooms are thinning out. Stations are thinning out. Everything is thinning out, and so you have to kind of balance the the cutting of the newsrooms with the rise of the influer influencer, excuse me, and figure out where your where your ideal balance is. Because, you know, I'm sure we represent a variety of industries in the room, but I think that at the at the end of the day, we're all Looking to sell, if you will, the experience that whatever it is that we do provides. And in my case, it's a literal guest experience. Um, so the way that you tell the story and the um, something that Becky had just read off—you know, the truth, the transparency—you um, you have to put all of that forward in an emotionally driven way because you know the the challenges that we're dealing with. I would imagine you too. Um, Leisure time is, is so competitive, and media relations on top of it is so competitive. So how do you, how do you eke out what you're doing, and how do you, how do you compete with everything that's going on in, in day-to-day life? And so we turn to our own channels for that, as well as courting new influencers, courting fa- you know, people with families, so people without.
1: When you're so. courting influencers, what's interesting is you have an opportunity to, to court children. Right? And teenagers and, and who speak to your audiences in ways that we as professional communicators really think we can do, but we can't. But you actually have that as part of your, your voices. How do you exploit, or not, I'm sorry, wrong word. How do you um, encourage young people to be a voice for such a wonderful museum?
2: The human science industry does not exploit children, just to be, <laughs> to be clear. It's Um, We are fortunate. We have had a youth advisory council for a couple of years now that's really helped us um, understand the way that... um, I mean, I'm 41. I have no idea how a 15-year-old thinks. Um, so I have really.
1: a 15-year-old, <laughs> and I can concur. I have no idea.
2: I have no idea. And so it's been really an eye-opening experience to hear directly from them. Um, we have them. It's a four-week program, and they get to go around the museum, and we give them different assignments, and just to hear how they tackle things, to see how they tackle things. Um, so that, I mean, that's just one way.
1: Awesome lee um have you are you finding in kind of like in the future that you're being more proactive in communications as opposed to reactive and if so is that beneficial
3: i i think you don't have a choice and i think the answer is is yes i think Uh you have to be you know i i kind of always as i use my sports analogy with my sports background i always say you kind of go to the, the espn mentality and espn is is brilliant at creating their own story, reporting on their own story, and then watching as other people report on the story they created. Yeah. And I feel like we do that a lot and need to do that because you know, you can't have a media event or launch a new product and just expect that you're gonna get this amazing coverage or you're, it, it doesn't work that way. There's only so many of my friends that I can call or former colleagues who are mm-hmm. somewhere that I can call and say, hey, can you do me a favor and, and cover this? You, you, you have to uh, I heard one of the speakers d- speak earlier about that, that paid, earned, own, and we always hear that all the time. So, you kind of take the paid out. I don't have, I don't have enough budget for yep. the paid stuff. But, you know, the, how do you take that, that own stuff, take that blank piece of paper to create something and then turn it into something that other people are going to talk about? I, I, I think, yeah, you have so to. So, one of the things that's interesting, though, about the industry that you're in with
1: boating, right, and luxury goods, frankly. Um, the publications want you to be in there. They want you to advertise. Mm-hmm. So, do you have to do as much paid media as some people might traditionally do? You know, do? there's a
3: um, there's I, I'm so against the pay for play. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm it's getting worse though. And that's why I'm asking against it in, ev- in every way. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's because of my background, because I, I, I don't think you need it. Yeah. And I'm not a PR Newswire guy because it's not real. It's it's faux. I, I get why you have to do it sometimes. I get it checks the box sometimes. But I would always say to, you know, you, you put out a, a story on Global Newswire and you can show, hey, look, we, we got picked up 150 times. But try to find it you know, like right. it, it didn't really but you know it, it's there but it's not there yeah. Um, but yeah boating is is fun it's exciting like the museum it's it's you know it's it's supposed to be um, something that you enjoy that you you, you do with yeah. your family so you don't want to have to I, I don't ever want to have to rely on coverage because I've paid for it I, I it's kind of that roll up your sleeves and earn it there are times you have to do it because it's politically the right thing to do in our industry Mm -hmm. just to kind of keep up with the joneses so to speak but i will avoid it at all costs
1: one of the things that's interesting and and by the way this technology here to help guide the questions and you're all voting things up and it's really fascinating on one hand i feel like i'm kind of being uh, put out of a job by a, a tablet to ask the questions but on the other hand it's really cool to see what what you guys are interested in, so keep doing it. Um, And the first one, the one that's on top of the list now is why must PR pros be business focused as opposed to communicators in business situations? And one of the challenges that I had coming into PR, whether it was an in-house job or agency job, I don't think it matters that, well, it does matter a lot actually. One of the challenges that I have, I still have, and I had was learning how to sell right? Being that business person, you know, how do we sell communication services? That's not why I got into PR. It was partly to be a storyteller and everything. And it's something that continually vexes me and it's a challenge and I, I work through it. But how do you guys look at that situation between that, being that business person in a, in a room or the communicator in a business environment? Does it really matter to you?
2: I think it matters tremendously. Uh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead? I, I
3: you think you have to have a, a, a definitely a working knowledge. Just we're a publicly traded company, and and I deal with the investor relations group or the government relations group all the time, and so. If I walk into a room and I don't know what EBITDA is or, or you know, when we have our earnings call, if I if, if I can't answer the questions that are coming in from the investment media, um, I'm not doing my job. And, mm-hmm. you know, when similar to you in, in the journalism background, you know, they literally said in school, I said, what do I need to study? They said writing, read a teleprompter and smile, you know, <laughs> so I, did. I, you know, I took journalism yeah. class. I took writing. I took bowling. I, I was like, this is great, you know, and. and and I got the TV job and, and I didn't do my MBA until well after. And I'm glad I did. I wish I would have taken business class there. I, I think mm-hmm. now more than ever, you have to be the jack of all trades. You have yeah. to know a little bit about supply chain, about business, about everything to be relevant in, in those conversations. I
1: think that's your advantage. It gives you flexibility across right. your career. You're constantly learning. It keeps your mind sharp. I mean, there are many other reasons, I think, to do that. Plus, you know, the more you know, the more opportunities you have. Whether it's for yourself or for your for your client or for your company, just uh,
2: to finish that thought mm-hmm. off um, i I just and I'm sure this will come up in a few minutes, but I think that because measurement is an area mm-hmm. that vexes most of us, if anybody in this room has it figured out, please find me after this <laughs> session but in order to prove value strategic value to the business you have to understand your business i am a firm believer that your communications objectives need to ladder up to the organization's objectives you know for the year for the quarter for the whatever it is because otherwise you're you're just doing you're doing stuff to keep to keep busy mm-hmm. so the only way that you can provide strategic value to the organization that you're in is to make sure that you understand the business that you're trying to support so Always listen to your earnings calls. Always ask the questions. Find the person who's responsible for a lot of the data. Ask them questions. Have them present to your teams. Uh, because that, that, is, that is invaluable, and it earns you a seat at the table in a way that you, you might not get otherwise.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Getting a seat at the table changes everything. Changes the view. Oh, yeah. Makes it much more important. Um, and, when said, and you're talking about all that knowledge that you need to have about your job and things that are going. I one of the things that would drive me crazy when i was on the other side of getting pr pitches um, was how little knowledge so many people had about their industry that they were pitching or their competitor the competitors that they were talking to and i think that cuts to a little bit of what you're saying is know your stuff Mm -hmm. know your business know your competitors know the pain points because people are going to ask you about that and you need to know whether that's the people you work for and you work with or it's the media that might be covering your company,
3: and and know who you're emailing. I can't tell you how <laughs> many times I got an email, you know, dear Kathy or Hey Joe. I'm like, who, you know, yeah. you know, you know, instant, instantly delete. At least know my name, even if yeah, you right. get the topic completely wrong. At least right. I know who you're sending it to. Yes,
1: I never do mass emails just mm-hmm. for those reasons, because I would make that mistake. <laughs> um, we talk a lot about influencers. What are your thoughts about uh, encouraging your employees? to speak on behalf of your brand, right? I mean, I would think at a place like the Museum of Science and Industry, people would wanna share, oh my God, this is an awesome place to work. We've got dinosaurs. Well, no, but do you, you have access that's to- the other
3: museum. That's the other yeah. museum. That's
1: the field museum, right? What a, you have a mine shaft. We do.
3: That's really we cool. We do.
2: Original's in 1933. Yes. Um, so it's your your workforce is, is your biggest untapped potential. If, if you're in a non, regulated industry fully understand that there are people in this room who may not be as fortunate um but you want to you want people to know and to understand why wherever you work is a great place and i think that i'm especially fortunate in in that way because it really it is fun and you get to kind of tease out pictures of things that people don't get to see or you know whatever it is but um the the things that that we do as an organization and the impact that we are able to have it's it's a point of pride and a competitive advantage i yeah. think so the more that you can encourage people to share the impact that your organization has the the better off you are now there are spokesperson policies in place and yes. <laughs> you never want them speaking you know officially on the record but as far as utilizing social channels, um, LinkedIn, whatever it is, the, the better your workplace sounds, the better off everybody is. Do
1: people proactively come to you and say, hey, can I tweet about my job?
2: Not anymore. Um, when I was with Hyatt, I helped to create the infrastructure around social. It's embarrassing almost to think that I was, you know, doing that years ago and I still die inside every time everyone says tweet in a meeting, but, um, <laughs> That's beside the point. It's
1: our most powerful communication <laughs> channel is, right now.
2: It is, um, but it's, it, it used to be very much that way. I think that people now have kind of figured out that employers pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are monitoring services in place now and, and there are policies in place that exist that may not have existed, that definitely didn't exist 10 years ago.
1: So is that making people uh, more nervous about tweeting about their company or supporting you or they're okay because they know they, that they're being monitored.
2: I, no, I think it's become such a part of life now, where the experimentation part is over, and you know socially how you're supposed to use it yeah. for the most part. Okay. So yeah. I, I think that that learning curve, that element of mystery, yeah. has been removed.
1: Okay, Lee. What about you? Do you have, I'm sure you
3: have many advocates. Oh, there's, oh well, yeah, um, for better or for worse, right? Yeah. Um, you know we have. Sixteen thousand I think employees, and, and you hope that all of them are your brand advocates, but certainly not. I think there 's that mm-hmm. happy medium between um, educating them and making sure that they understand that you know if they 're going to to post something about your company that it 's in a positive light. Uh, many of them have their own personal pages and their times i 'll call them and go, What in the world <laughs> would make you want to post that you know you 've got your name and where you work and then you know they've gone there politically, and I'm like, you, you, you've got to do something yeah. about that. Um, but well, yeah, and I know, think that's, that that's getting on that.
1: The bigger issue is one of the, the political
3: tweets and, what's, and you know. And like I do a lot of uh, media training for athletes, and I say to them, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what you should do, how you should think, one way or the other. But yeah. just know that if you start this, there are potential repercussions for it. And you see it. I mean, there's just a. a player from the Cleveland Browns just two days ago got lost his, he got cut because of now he was he was an idiot for what he posted it wasn 't politically yeah. um, it was it was a lot more anger related but you know we've we 've had people who have lost their jobs over things they've put on social media we 've certainly not hired people because when they give me their resume you know you go straight to social media and, and and you look and say, wow, that's the person I'm gonna hire. But you like to hope that you have enough brand advocates who, who do a good job that can promote the lifestyle in a positive yeah. way.
1: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, media relations, kind of the bread and butter uh, of a lot of what communicators do. Um, what are some, how, one, how has that changed? You know, five years ago, 10 years ago to where, how, where it may go and wonder maybe what's a, a best practice that you think people should adopt more of?
2: I would say read, consume, consume everything that you can yeah. because then you have an idea of tone, of interest, especially mm-hmm. there's such a mix out there these days with freelancers, with influencers, with people who are changing beats all the time. Beats are being added, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, are, there are so many media who have turned PR. Mm-hmm. Come to the dark side,
3: no, I know it's exactly what it's the said. The paid side, right. yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Make There's
3: a living side. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I, I I think that you need to be aware because these you know it's in a 24-hour news cycle they definitely need news to fill that. But at the at the end of the day, you need to make sure that what you're saying and how you're saying it is going mm-hmm. to is going to be relevant. I would say.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's changed just because we are. Um, we are our own news source Mm -hmm. and we have to be the ones to say it first and we have to rely on ourselves to communicate to our customers or um, you know to the attendees or or, you know for us we can't rely on the media anymore to be the first line of defense to get our message out we have to do that ourselves and if we do it then we hope we can you know work, work collaboratively but you see it all the time, again, and I go back into sports, you know, if, if the Bears post something, they go right, they do it on their Twitter account, or they, right. don't, they, they don't control their, their Channel own 7 yeah. to do it, or the, sometimes they all do it themselves. And as a company, we have to do that also. It's, it's the only way that we can control it in all the, the noise out there.
1: Right, it, which makes giving someone an exclusive even more
3: valuable. I, yeah, days, I, I, so hopefully they appreciate that. I haven't used that word in so long, because yeah. you just, it's only exclusive until it comes out of your mouth, and then it's, Fair it's enough. no longer.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, it, it, it's little used. Um,
2: uh, it still works for yeah, us every it, now and it then. Can, well, it,
1: certain things it can. Certain absolutely. things it can. Um, it, but in, in the kind of the big picture, I think, when you want to get a lot of news out to a lot of people, it's a tough thing. Yes. Because you've got a very limited audience. It's New York yes. Times or Wall Street Journal or forget about it, yep. really. Um, one of the things that I, I think that would be really interesting to talk about is. How do we, what's the strategy behind when there's a major change in an organization, right? When there's a a fundamental shift in leadership, uh, or in in your case, a new ownership, or not new ownership, a new naming situation for a museum. How, what are some of the thoughts that you go, that that you put into thinking that through? And you just went through this, or either one.
3: i say, I I think it's, so we had a CEO change um, at, at the beginning of the year, I think it is, all the tentacles of people you need to communicate to and Mm -hmm. it's on us to make sure that you don't miss anybody and it's you know it's it's not it's it's your employees it's the media it's shareholders it's the there's there's so many different people and you don't have you know i i again if there's marketers in the room i apologize but you don't have a two-year pilot program to figure this out you know you have five seconds to 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 get it done and get it done quickly and so I think it's, you know, it's having, no matter what your strategy is, you, you, in something like that, if it happens fast, you try to follow it, but it's you know, all hands on deck. I think it's just making sure that it's every, there's, there's a cadence behind it and that everybody understands what that cadence is. And I think to your point of the seat on the table, that's when you earn that seat on the table, yeah. when, when it goes smoothly and you know the senior leadership is following your lead for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you can really step up and make a difference.
1: Mm-hmm. So in the, in the case of the museum, how did you communicate the, the, the change that was gonna happen there?
2: As you can imagine, confidentiality was...
1: Why don't we give everyone, okay. mean everyone everyone's from Chicago, might not know what we're talking about. So, So
2: the so. Museum of Science and Industry recently received its, or recently announced its largest gift in the museum's 86-year history, which um, was from a gentleman in Chicago uh, named Kenneth Griffin. Um, and so, as a result of that, we announced the gift and the fact that the museum was going to become the Kenneth C. Griffin Museum of Science and Industry. Um, the museum is one of the, up until recently, was one of the few unnamed cultural institutions in Chicago. Um, and so, it was a really big deal for the city's, um, you know, for, for the city in general, I would say. And so, we we recognized that we needed to think holistically I, I mean at the end of the day there there's no one group really that's more important than the other because you need buy-in from your employees you want to let you want to let them know first as much as you possibly can you want people to be excited you want to let your board know you want to let you, you know the the priorities everybody's of equal priority so you it's it's so hard to tear that out so Um, It came down to really meticulous planning and really meticulous timing and a lot of writing. Um, So there's a lot of discussion around, okay, if, you know, if then, if then, if then. And so at the end of the day, though, everything was ready to go essentially at the same time. Uh, That's where the exclusive did work well for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But so it's, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of planning for a lot of for a major, significant organizational change. You need to remember because I think it's easy to forget about staff in these scenarios. And how long did you can't. keep the lid on it? It was, um, it not long, not long. Okay. Um, but my my core advice is don't forget about your employees in this because it. it the internal audience can be so easily overlooked and like, oh, they're gonna be great about it. They're gonna be fine. Um, but as we talked about before, they can really be your biggest advocates in this scenario. And mm-hmm. they, they, dictate, they dictate the experience that your clients, your customers, you know, whatever the relationship that you have, um, they dictate that for the most okay. part. So remember to engage them.
1: Okay, um, a lot of questions about measurement. How we how we measure Fairly. success. Yes. How do we how do we argue for more budget? Right? Which I think probably relates to measurement to a certain degree too. Um, how do you talk about measurement internally? It's such a tricky thing for PR. You know, we can talk about this for hours and hours, hours I'm sure. Hours. But how how do you um, how do you handle that just you know from a hundred foot level or a thousand foot level with some of your people
3: at the office? I think for, and I think everybody's different, um, as, as you mentioned, if, if anybody has that magic potion, um, they're gonna make millions and millions of dollars one day to do that. I, I think you need to figure out, and this is what has what worked well, and they, this may not work for everybody, it's in your organization, especially in, in the C-suite, is figure out who gets it. Yeah. So not, I'm not talking about impressions, those don't matter, the, the, how many Facebook likes, all that, throw that stuff out but who understands the value of, of true PR and true communications, and then use them as, as, as your advocates as well, because it is so hard to measure A plus B equals sales in, in the, especially in our business. You know, we just had a, a story in Forbes, so did that story lead to a million more dollars in sales? I have no idea. I hope so, um, but you can't measure that in that moment. You can. You know, potentially measure it over time. Um, you can measure certain things over time, but I think if you, if as as long as the the overall strategy is you're going to be doing these things, as as you said, that layer up to the overall business strategy. I can't say that. Okay, we had this media event in Fort Lauderdale last week, and we had forty reporters there, and all these stories came out, and well, it was it was successful, but successful by by whose account you know it got the word out there we announced we we're going to exhibit at CES for the first time which is great and we got a lot of, a lot of play out of that but I think what you need to do is find those wins it's, it's what are those one or two wins that you can create a case study around and say you know we're not going to be able to spend millions of dollars on, on advertising or marketing that just doesn't exist anymore but you know you've done X, y and Z and it's led to this and it can't always be. Sales it's, sales is, is usually the, the end result, but it's got to be find that one thing, that one story that you can use to, to sell why PR and communications matters. And the more you do that, the more success we've been able to have to prove out. They just say, we understand. We, we know you got it. Go for it.
1: You also mentioned before we started, you have a CEO that loves media. Our CEO loves
3: the media and and I'm extremely fortunate and and I know how fortunate I am with that. He loves media events. He understands PR, he gets it. He he just truly gets it. And I've worked for folks who don't always get it. And that's a lot harder because they say, well, where's my analytics and where's my impressions? And I said, you know, we we always joke about impressions. I'm jumping into the next question, but impressions don't sell anything. Impressions just, you just say, hey, we got a million impressions, but what does that mean? It's, you, you gotta be able to cross over that bridge and, and why does what you do matter? And, and I have, I've been very fortunate I, for, for that.
1: For the longest time, I didn't know what impressions actually meant. I still don't. Right, and, 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 I and when, I, don't. when I learned, it's like, well, if if Yahoo News picks it up, that means fifty million people might see it if they looked at this on Yahoo News. Might, so you've right? got
3: fifty million impressions. It's like what? But if you keep clicking on the story, you can manipulate yeah, it yeah. too. So I mean, it's know, like it's this just,
1: weird math. That right, makes it makes no it, it, sense. It doesn't,
3: and it, it doesn't lead to anything except no. the vanity metric of well, I right. haven't no. seen Facebook followers, or I've got ten million Twitter followers. It's, so what? You right. know who's engaging with you? Who's where, what's that next level? I think. An, when you find that next level, you get it. But it does help to have a boss that appreciates it. There's no question, there's no question. Yes.
2: But I think that also that's where you go back to your communications objectives, which should theoretically ladder back up to the organization's business objectives. And then you can go back and show how well you performed against helping the organization achieve its business goals, Mm -hmm. whether that's becoming a, a better workplace, whether that's um, I'm just making a, you know, a culture shift, whether that's, you know, um, source, um, leadership sources for industry stories. You can at least point back and give some sort of quantitative um, results that help show how you move the needle through these things because, where's, is, I don't know if the person from The Onion is still here, congratulations on your one trillion met- uh, impressions <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what it, it feels like where it's you know we got 250 million impressions well great why wasn't it 700 million I don't know give me a minute Sorry, to do the math I can probably, <laughs> yeah. probably figure it out um, uh-huh. but I, I think that that's the way that we look at it is just how how did did you achieve your objectives and because that's, that's your so what, in, in my opinion, is you yeah. can be so, able to point back to something tangible. So
1: to put a finer point on it, how do you know that you're pushing the needle forward? And then how do you merchandise that amongst your your, your
3: organization? I, I think it's, it's proving out the wins. I, I think you, you made a really good point in that it's... You know, okay, we, we've got this overall business strategy, and and I've got my communications and PR strategy, and it can't live on an island. It can't be completely separate right. of of what that is. And so, if if I say, okay, I understand, here are your five pillars, here are your strategic initiatives for for the next three years. Now, I'm going to take your ideas, and I'm going to, I don't want to say make them great, but may, I, you know, I want to go, but I'm I'm going to make it shine. We're gonna we're gonna explode it, and we're gonna say, okay, you want to. You want to be the best partner, or you want to be, you know, best product development. Whatever it is, let me show you how PR and communications could make that and take that to a place that you never thought was possible. And when you start to show them some of their, they, they you know, the, the strategy folks will stay at fifty thousand feet. We have to go to five feet, and also have to go back to fifty thousand feet. We have to go back and forth constantly. Yep. And I think if we can take their fifty thousand foot idea and and bring it down and show them listen, we're, we're not a service agency, but as PR and communicators, we can make your great ideas come to life. And the more you can do that, that that's, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it absolutely, it's not, you're not gonna wake up tomorrow and they're gonna go, wow, PR is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, I think, especially as budgets are less and the earned media and the owned media become more important, I think that's when those, the CMOs will start to come to you and go, I have no budget, help me.
1: Yes. No. Is there a way that you can tell how you're moving? I mean, is it admissions increase or I mean?
2: You um, know, for us, um, it's really about showcasing how we keep, let me start that another way. I think a lot of businesses grapple with the fact that you have kind of a a legacy business and what your day-to-day is and, and you kind of have new product rollouts. And the new product rollouts are really great to talk about and they're really fun to work on but how do you talk about the rest that, that just has been your foundation or, or what have you? So I think that what we really do is try to make sure that we think of ways to showcase the, the legacy business. So what are those permanent things that will always exist that you saw when you came on a field trip when you were 12 that are still there? How do you make sure that, that you see that as relevant still and that you don't think that because you saw that when you were 12 that, that you've seen the museum and you're done? Yeah. Um odds are good that it's changed a bit, if any of you haven't been back since you were 12. Um,
1: that was my impression when I went like four or five years ago, because it had been years since I've been yep, there. It's an like, entirely new Whoa. place. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: And there's always something new to, to touch and poke and, yeah. and try. And I think that for us, that's how we show that we move the needle is that we create things to be able to monetize or create events or revenue streams to, to talk about the permanent exhibit offerings that we have. How do we keep those relevant? How do we keep those you know, as, as exciting as the new, the temporary things that are only there for a limited time?
1: All right, we have time for one more question. And I, there's so many. Thank you all for voting things up. Um, a, a bread and butter question. What are your current thoughts on the press release?
3: Good, bad, useful—it is a necessary evil.
2: Was going to be my phrase.
3: Um, it is, it is, it is necessary for. So I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a good example. A couple of examples for product launches have to do it. Um, it is not the answer to all the world's problems. It is, it, it's a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, you know, a our, 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 our quick one-minute story. We had our Fort Lauderdale boat show last week. We had a great show a lot of our brands did really really well and in years past we would just say great everybody would slap each other in the back and on to the next but it, as, it's our job to say wait a minute let's what's the story that we can tell and so we put out a release about you know this brand was up 80 percent and this brand had the most units there and, and all together we got it out and sent it out ahead of today. We had an investor roadshow. So it worked out. We, we timed it well because we got the release out just in time for our CEO and our investor relations folks to get out on the road in front of these guys and they can champion it. There are, there are times when a press release can do a lot of good work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also times I think it just checks the box. Yeah. And I think at other times that if it's community related, you know, Chicago's a big city. Uh, we've got Manufacturing facilities in Fond du Lac Wisconsin and New York Mills Minnesota and what we do in those communities is a big deal so if we donate ten thousand dollars to the United Way I probably wouldn't do it if we were in Chicago it would nobody would care but in those communities a press release really matters because it's mm-hmm. a big deal to those people I think it's a necessary evil um, but if if you do it right it's you can do it well but it's not the answer to the world's yeah. problems
2: yeah agreed I, I think that there are certain things that you absolutely have to, whether it's a leadership change, a, a significant higher things along along those lines, but we've also dug deep to pair the more routine things we do year over year with new data that go into the press release. So, um, you know, we happen to know that we were the leading field trip destination in among an organization called Museums in the Park for the last 10 years. So we decided to pair that with um, an announcement we do at the beginning of every CPS school year, just, just to try and make it a little bit more timely, a little bit more meaty. Mm-hmm. So it's not just doing this again. Just wanted everybody to know. Um, I also think that in, in terms of the six seconds of scanning or whatever it is that you get, if you can make, you know, I, I tend to spend all of our time on the quotes. So I like to think that somebody will read them or it'll at least be stored in, uh, you know, in the cloud somewhere. So, you know, that strategic message can at least come across. Uh, yeah, it's not my, a throwaway. My view,
1: my view on that is I, I hope they get to the quote and I work on the stuff to we get them to the quote. <laughs> yep. The, the headline, sure. the deck. Yep. And, and more important than anything now, I think is the subject line in the email.
3: And yes. that is, mm-hmm.
1: the, that's the key. Okay. Yep. All right, we're out of time. Thank you. I hope this was valuable to everyone.
0: Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for listening to our latest episode of the communication spotlight, a podcast for you, the communicator. If you like this session and want to hear more content like it, please visit ReaganTraining.com for membership for one low price. You get access to over 600 hours of content featuring the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in membership please visit reagantraining.com/virtual and save $300.